0: We are midway through January and making our way towards the NBA All-Star Game in Salt Lake City. We are making our way towards the NBA trade deadline. We're making our way towards the NBA Paris Games happening on Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time between the Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons. Lots of stuff going on here as we head into The cold, bitter winter months in the Northeast region of the United States. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode of Keeping It 94, courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Watched a lot of hoop yesterday. My favorite part, I think, was Brooke Lopez throwing away Gary Trent Jr.'s headband into the stands and subsequently getting ejected for it. And then the post-game interview where Joe Engels ended up getting interrogated uh, by the media and by Brooke. And they had a nice little back and forth asking about that. And uh, it was funny because Brooke Lopez said that Gary's headband was talking to him. Almost like in a serial (laughs) killer movie. So that was was pretty funny. Uh, Enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching the Sixers and Clippers go to battle. I know that the uh, end score was not as close as uh, we anticipated it to be, but the Clippers finally got Paul George back after missing five games. They were whole for the first time, and I don't know how long. By the way, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have only played 91 games together. Think of that for how long they've been together. That's pretty crazy. But just like we were talking about last week, Sixers are in a great place right now. They're playing a really good, solid, uphill pace of basketball right now. Um, despite you know James Harden, who's usually a a, a slower pace guy, they're getting up and down the floor. Joel Embiid's running the floor. He's blocking shots. He's making his mid rangers He's dominating inside, getting to the foul line as per usual. Tyrese Maxey's back. Tobias Harris is 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 really in a solid solid groove at the moment. Those are the things going on right now, currently in the NBA. What say you, Brian Fritz? There's a lot of news coming out here as we uh, begin this podcast, and some of it's around trades, some of it's around returning people from injuries, so let's uh, fill in the audience here.
1: Well, let me start off with this. Our theme for the entire season that we said was going to happen before the season started and has played out, especially in the Western Conference. Self-hi-fi. Is Parody, parody, parody. Parody. However, now that we are just past the midway point of the season, we are starting to see the best teams break away from everybody else. The Celtics now have a four-game lead in the top spot in the East.
0: Jason Tatum going on for 51 on MLK Day. Whew.
1: The Nuggets, and now the top team in the West, the Grizzlies are only a half game behind them, but then it's the Pelicans are five games back. Those two teams combined right now have won 24 games in a row. Celtics have won seven in a row, Nuggets seven, Grizzlies 10. So we're starting to see some separation when it comes to the best of the best.
0: And there you have it. And that's what dominant teams should do. Now, I still think that that will end up, you know, regressing to the mean. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be able to still chase them down. But at the moment, you're right. That's exactly what's happening, and uh, it's fun to watch them kind of break out that way. Uh, I still don't think, again, that that this is any by any means settled. Uh, that these top teams are going to finish where they're they're at the standings currently. There's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, you know, I think Milwaukee, for all that you know, it's dealt with here the last like week and a half, and Giannis being hurt and not you know playing particularly well on the offensive end after his ridiculous stretch at the beginning of January. Uh, now you're seeing drew holiday step up, man. I mean, you've seen drew holidays, offensive numbers, the last two games, uh, even the, the last three games, if you want to, uh, take it that far, um, has really stepped up in his absence. And I think, uh, you know, that's kind of showing their depth and their belief in everybody. I mean, 37 against the Raptors last night and then against Indiana at 35, um, just really you know, taking his offensive game to another level. If you want to look back further than that, too, at Miami and at Atlanta, um, 24 and 27 points there uh, as well. So you know, Drew Holiday stepping up in that, that absence. You look at Brooklyn, uh, who's going to be missing Kevin Durant here for a while. They put up a good fight. I know this isn't a great example because they're at San Antonio. It's a team they should beat. But they didn't have Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant last night, and they still proved that they were going to come in and try and, and win that game. And and play with some poise. You know, TJ Warren came to Cam Thomas, um, stepping up there. Um, still not getting the offensive volume you want to see from Ben Simmons, but at least he took 10 shots in that game um and and and, and you know, registered a triple double. Uh you look in the west, you 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 see Memphis. My goodness, I I feel like almost similar to to the Bucks of last year and maybe even this year, that the Grizzlies just don't don't get that kind of conversation in the West. Uh, and, you know, and that could be myself included, uh, but they are just, uh, they are a young team who's brash and they'll let you know, they'll let you know, uh, they'll talk as much as they want to, uh, and back it up. But b- what I like about them most, man, I mean, outside of John Morant, you got Desmond Bain there. Um, you've got Steven Adams grabbing rebounds, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Having the defensive player of the year season at the moment, I think, uh, he's in the lead for that award at the moment. Uh, you know, the depth that they have. Tyus Jones, just terrific, terrific backup to Ja Morant. And he can, can prove that that he can fill in for Ja when he's hurt uh, as a starter and has done a tremendous job of doing that. Uh, Memphis is a team that, that you got to look out for. I just saw the Pelicans, who have been banged up the entire season, Brian. Entire season. Brandon Ingram hasn't played since the beginning of November. And and Zion Williamson's missed a few Uh, weeks now with that hamstring injury but cj mccollum my god he has been just on a tear since those two have gone down and uh is really you know pacing this team forward i was really impressed by their defense um you know dyson daniels has been getting these these starts in between um he had like four steals in the first half of the game that i was watching him against uh, the Cavs in cleveland uh you have you know guys like like herb jones who's who's obviously you know missed a couple of games too, but Trey Murphy, the third, you've got, you know, all this length that you have to deal with. Jose Alvarado was just a straight up pest, old school pest. Um, they're deep. So while they are separating each other and I'm talking about the Celtics and the Nuggets, uh, I still think there's a lot of season to go. And, you know, those teams I just mentioned uh, are are a part of that and and there's still others that that want to make noise as well. I mean including, you know, my guys in Sacramento who continue to 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 pedal on and you look at, you know, even Cleveland uh, is trying to to be in that conversation if they figure out the road. So, there's a lot. It's still a lot of parity, but yes, record-wise at the moment, there is some separation being created.
1: You just mentioned a couple of teams and we're coming up to the trade deadline and everybody's kind of wondering who's going to make a move. Is there going to be a lot of action? There definitely are going to be some buyers. It just depends on what the cost is going to be. But I do wonder, when it comes to a team like the Grizzlies, when it comes to the Sacramento Kings, and when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which one of those teams could be most aggressive? Because it feels like for both of them, or for all three of them, they're one piece away from doing something special. Now the Cavs I think could really elevate themselves to a true contender depending on a move. I think the Grizzlies are probably already there, but could use one other move to help cinch things up. The Kings are the team that's probably the furthest away, but we know that they have an anxious ownership group that, doesn't just want to get into the playoffs. If they start to feel something else, maybe they will be even a little bit more aggressive. So those are three of the teams that I'm really wondering about and looking at saying, what are they going to do at the deadline? If anything, how aggressive will they be? You know, you look at the Grizzlies. I mean, they believe in their system. They've done extremely well when it comes to their draft picks. So they're not known for making like a big splashy trade, you know, they're never going to do much in free agency. Uh, They just believe in their system and what they do. But if you can smell it, if you think you're that close to really having a chance to get to the finals and maybe even win the whole thing, do you go that extra step and make that move? And we've already seen the Cavs be aggressive going into the season and getting down to Mitchell. So they take it one step further now and say, okay, let's really make that move now if it presents itself.
0: Yeah. So the names that are being linked to the Cavs, I'm not necessarily thrilled about just as someone that covers them. I don't think that Tim Hardaway Jr. is the answer. I certainly don't think that Malik Beasley is the answer. Uh, I think either of those guys would be basically what you already have in Karis LeVert. I mean, sure. there are shooting. Isn't as crisp as Malik Beasley's can be. And we know that Tim Hardaway Jr. is a, you know, a gunner himself, but, I feel like Karis brings you a little bit more of that bailout type of game, that isolation game that if you need a bucket, he can go and get it. Um, you know, sometimes he has trouble with turnovers. I'm aware that he is, you know, in a slump right now as far as, as his sloppy closeouts are concerned. I get that. Um, but the th- at the same time, now you're able to kind of see how Lavert bounces with with Ricky Rubio, right? You're, you're able to see if, if Levert can play off the ball a little bit more, uh, see if you can get him into his spots and, and, uh, you know, take some of the load off of Karis, even though Karis is more comfortable with the ball in his hands. I'm understanding of that. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how he plays next to Rubio now that, that Ricky's back. Uh, but those two targets I just mentioned though, Tim Hardaway Jr. And, and Malik Beasley. Well, one, I think Beasley, while he is a very, very talented scorer, I don't think he addresses the need that the Cavs have. Uh, he is a very streaky three-point shooter and has been pretty much his whole career. Um, and then you have Tim Hardaway Jr., who, while may be a better you know, fit, per se, for the Cavs, one, I don't know if he is a small forward that you need. Um, he doesn't really have the length. His defense is you know it's okay but at the same time you you look at the contract that Tim Hardaway Jr has too and i think that that could play a factor as well into uh into what fits for the Cavs so i it's not easy to find these guys to defend and, and shoot threes as we've mentioned before right. the 3 and d wing well, players are not easy to find and and if you've been paying attention to the Cavs look at the growth of Isaac Okoro yes he doesn't have the size he's only 6-5 he's a he's smaller uh you know he's he's decent sized guard but definitely not for the three, but they've been starting him with the three uh he's been shooting forty eight percent since the turn of the new year from deep uh on a low volume, mind you, but he's still playing the defense that we know he can play, and he's even been a little bit more apt to attack because teams are starting to show him a little bit of attention there in the corner now because of that that you know success that he's had. And now, you got to make decisions if you're defending the Cavs because you have the pick-and-roll game with Jared Allen. Um, Evan Mobley's got the handoffs. Uh, and then, you know, you the penetration that you get from, from Darius Garland and a healthy Donovan Mitchell when he's back. So, I mean, I'm not saying they don't need a move. I think they do need a move. I just don't know if the means to get that move are worth it. especially. If Okoro starting to find the groove that he has,
1: you know, when it comes to Beasley, he's a volume three point shooter, but he's mm-hmm. not he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's six foot four. He's never been known for his defense. He's kind of a specialist. But even saying that, when it comes to his shooting this year, I mean, he's thirty eight percent for his career, thirty five and a half percent from three point range this season. In his last ten games, he's only hitting twenty eight percent of his threes. So, and you're talking about a guy that I believe puts up about an average of like eight threes a game. Yeah. I don't know if that's really the best fit when it comes to the calves. And you think about, you
0: can't take away those shots from Darius Garland. You can't take those shots away from Donovan Mitchell. Like you want a guy that can hit a shot in a big moment, right? That, but you don't want that kind of volume. You want a guy taking four to five shots from the three point land. Essentially, you want a PJ Tucker, right? You want a Dorian Finney-Smith. That's the type of player I think the Cavs kind of want and covet. But it's just not easy to find guys like that. And no, again, to
1: find somebody with size and consistency—that's what exactly, you want. Exactly,
0: exactly. Someone to nail those threes from the corner that teams are just completely leaving open. But the last five games, I'm going to tell you this right now: five starts for Isaac Okoro, and you know, in 23 minutes a game. He's averaging 10 points, three boards, and shooting 56% from deep. I think, I don't know, I I wouldn't mess that up, right? If he's finally getting into a groove, if he's finally taking multiple three-pointers per game, if he's able to attack from the corners and cut the way he does, whilst, whilst, by the way, and I saw this all the first half before C.J. McCollum got it going, staying just, like, glued to these guys coming off of screens on defense and making amazing, uh, you know, off-ball uh, plays and ball denial and whatnot. I, I, I've been an advocate for Isaac Okoro for a while. And it it, it got tough to, to, you know, stick in his corner because, you know, at some point you got to help yourself. But I think since mid-December, he has definitely turned a corner. And I think the coaching staff starting to see that. And uh, good for him, man. Good for him because... He's, you know, worked his ass off, and I don't know if you saw the videos that I put up on on my Twitter, but Darius Garland and Jared Allen are the ones that are audibly trying to praise this guy and, and talk about the the work ethic he has behind the scenes, and you know it's just a feel good story when you see that, but I don't, I think it could be more than a feel good story. I think this could be a fixture of their team as long as he's consistently getting these minutes and and knows what his role is going to be.
1: And when it comes to the Grizzlies, I mean, they've got some things at their disposal they can do. They have all their draft picks. Like I said, they, they don't like giving up their draft picks because they're so damn good at drafting.
0: Yeah. I'm having a hard time of, of figuring out what the Grizzlies actually need to. That's the other thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, they, they have Danny Green, which, you know, Danny's about to come back. And I mean, he's going to come back probably within two or three weeks, I think from his torn ACL, he will have to ramp up and everything, but everybody, you know, talks about him. He makes $10 million. He's somebody that maybe they say, you know what, if he's looking pretty good so far, maybe we want to keep a a veteran presence in the locker room and a guy that's been there before and hit big shots and can hit threes and can probably still play some defense. Uh, But I mean, when it comes to what else they could use,
0: I think, shooting?
1: I, I mean, everybody can use shooting. Everybody can yeah, use shooting.
0: everybody can you use know? shooting. That, yeah.
1: That's why, like, we, you know, on, on the website dot basketballnews.com, we did this roundtable talking about, you know, trades we kind of like to see. And and the one that I put down was Nas Reed to the Grizzlies. Because, like, shooting. everybody needs shooting. Everybody, <laughs> needs, everybody needs shooting. But they also need a backup big fit in the rotation because Jalen Jackson Jr. keeps having some trouble with, with fouls. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't happen all the time, but it's been a problem. He's got he's gotten better at it, so,
0: but but yes, absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: So my thinking was, okay, Nas Reed is somebody that comes cheap right now. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. I don't know if the Timberwolves have the money to pay him. Plus, they've already been paying a gargantuan amount of money to two bigs on their team, one of which has been injured for most of this season. And I don't think they want to, you know, invest even more money into their front court. Yeah. So why not move Reed while his value is the the highest it's going to be? Trade him now, and then especially if you're not going to play him. Right, and the Grizzlies get a guy that's on their front court that can back up Triple J and can also knock down some shots. I mean, who, or he can play beside him, you know, as well. If the, you know, if Steven Adams is in the lab. So, I mean, there's things they can do with him and I think he fits a need. So I, I mean, whether he doesn't go there, Nas Reed is somebody that as well as he has played and helped the Timberwolves. I really wonder if they're going to be able to keep him And if they shop him around.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good, it's a good point. And I think he fits the mold to of what, you know, Memphis, almost the mold of what JJJ is. You know, he's not your typical big man, right? He's someone that can go out, stretch the three-point line. Um, he's a career shoot, three-point shooter pretty much around 35%. Um, you know, he's not your typical going to bang with the bigs type, but he can get you some blocks here and there, and uh, he'll he'll stretch the floor out like you just said. So, uh, you know, someone that's going to play 15, 20 minutes a game behind Jaron Jackson, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: would the but, Grizzlies but, be willing to it, give up a first round pick? Even and, if it it's depends, protected? And, it,
0: and it also depends on, on Steven Adams as well, but you can play Nas with Steve because Steve's oh, yeah. Steve's going to be in the paint. He's going to be getting rebounds. Like Nas is almost like a, a a three slash four, even though he's seven foot, like, you know, like right. it's, it's a different Nas, type. It's a different type of it. Yeah.
1: Nas is a role player that's there for specific reason. And he's an insurance policy. Sorry. Six, well.
0: nine, not seven. You foot. know?
1: So, I mean, uh, To me, it makes sense if that was somebody that they went after. Like I said, you know, they've got Danny Green's expiring deal. So if they want to do something, they can I mean, for them, it's just whether or not uh they really want to make a move and if they're willing to include a pick because they don't like including picks. But they've got their own picks and they've got more. So, I mean, they they've got plenty of draft capital if they want to do something, how aggressive they want to be. It's just figuring out what that something is. And not overpaying for it, because that's the fear from, I think, every team right now is that, you know, it's such a, you know, sellers are asking for everything under the moon right now. And I don't think they're going to come off of that until, I don't know, the trade deadline is the afternoon of February 9th, probably like, I don't know, noon on February 8th is when they might come down. So, I mean, I get the, I get the sense that's where we're going to start feeling about the real deals. It's going to be like in the final, you know, 24 to 48 hours before the deadline. So, um, but Memphis is a team I really look at. And then let's talk about the Kings real quick because they're probably a little bit further ahead of the schedule than some people thought. I mean, you look at where they're at right now in that crowded West, they're in the fourth spot. They're only a game back a third. Um, they only lead the Mavericks by a game and a half for the fifth. Uh so I mean I mean they're a team. They you got Harrison Barnes and his expiring deal. You know, how aggressive do they want to be in going after something? But I mean
0: they've just needed hey, a backup big. That's that's that that's absolutely. theirs. Absolutely. And you know, you look at I don't know, Mason Plumley. As someone, for example, like that would make a lot of sense in Sacramento. A, you know, New Orleans
1: Noel would make a yeah, lot exactly. of sense. Yeah, exactly.
0: Someone that is not going to take too much time away from Sabonis because Sabonis is playing a crap ton of time and is probably the best. Uh, I wouldn't say probably the best. I'd say probably one of the top three centers in the NBA right now, right? You would probably say top three.
1: Uh, Depends on how you're listing Giannis, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it does depend on how you're listening, Giannis, and I, and I was going to say, Davis. He, and, and but I have Embiid, Jokic. Sorry, I had to, yeah. had to, had to, had to pump the brakes there definitely. a little bit. I had to pump the yeah. brakes there a little bit. But <laughs> I'm looking at Sabonis as, as a whole, what he's done to bring winning to this team. In addition to De'Aaron Fox, that's not taking away from De'Aaron Fox, but leading the league in rebounding, the way that he's been able to play make for his teammates, the way he's been able. To just bully his way inside and he's not nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Lower the shoulder and put it up off the glass. That is literally Domas's game. And using the dribble handoff and using the, the backdoor bounce pass. You know, like he is so adept at that stuff. Pushing the ball off of a defensive rebounds, you know? Sabonis, if he ain't an all-star, I don't know how the hell that's gonna work. But um, you know, that they need someone to back him up. At that position. That that's pretty much where I'm at. And like you said, Nerlens Noel, my Mason Plumley, uh, any of these guys. Like, dude, you you could even call up Toronto and get Ken Birch. Like, like that's something somebody who's competent enough to play 10 again, 10 to 15 minutes. It seems like that's a that's a common overlying theme of this deadline. People want shooters and people want backup bigs.
1: It's, like, it's amazing how much we were talking just a couple of years ago. Like centers are gone. They're phasing them out in this league, whatever. Then we look at it now. Let's look at who's been the MVP the last couple of years. Let's look at how centers are back.
0: Right, you know, right. You know,
1: it's just a different skill set that some of them have. I mean, Jokic basically plays like a point guard. Uh, Sabonis plays like a point guard. You people covet
0: Hartenstein there in New York. You know, like it's just oh. –
1: He's got to be available. They're not
0: even playing him. No, that's what I'm saying. And and people know around right. the league how talented he is because he's just he's not a pick and roll type of big. He's more like a Plumlee or a Jokic where he's helping in the playmaking department. We saw a lot of that in Cleveland here too. But oh yeah, no, it it, it seems like the the needs are are very similar across the league. I did want to bring this up though because this broke while we were about to record. Um, Rui Hachimura apparently, according to Shawn Sturania And Josh Robbins of The Athletic um, is being uh, explored for some trades there in Washington. So, um, initial thoughts on that, uh, because this is about, uh, quote-unquote, clearing the logjam at Power Forward there with the Wizards.
1: I mean, I can understand it. I mean, their whole goal is to keep financial flexibility for the offseason. They, you know, the team has said they want to build about around Bradley Beal, Christoph Porzingis, and Cal Kuzma. Kuzma is a free agent after the season. He's going to be getting paid. He's already said he's going to go into free agency. He hasn't said if he wants to stay in Washington yet though. <laughs> so, you know, and the team, you know, they want to, they want to be able to save as much money to, to make sure he gets paid. You know, Rui's on the final year of his deal as well. He's making just over 6 million. So It makes sense from that standpoint. I'm curious to see what they could get for him right now, but it still doesn't change the fact that Kuzma might leave. And I think they could still move him as well. I mean, they they could still be sitting there going, "Mm, we're not good. I know we want to build around Kuzma, but if he's not going to make a commitment for us, do we really want to go into the off season with the gamble of losing him for nothing? And, And when there's plenty of suitors, that will give up a first round pick for him right now.
0: Yeah. No, you're, you're right. And uh, I think, well, one, I, I wanted to say my thoughts on Hachimura. I think that the team should absolutely be pouncing on that opportunity. I know it's been tough for him to stay healthy and stay on the court, but when he has, that mid-range jumper, is, that's butter, man. That's a buttery mid-range jumper. He go out there get you some rebounds. We know how talented he is. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery, I guess if that's what well, they're looking he's, for. he's
1: shooting 40% from three-point range. He's putting up 13 points a game.
0: Well, there you go. Didn't know he was even shooting the three that well, to be honest. So, I mean, but it makes sense from Washington's standpoint if they want to get Denny Avdia more time, you know, and they want to keep Kristaps Porzingis, even though I know... You have your what if scenario that we're going to be talking about next week.
1: <laughs> but, Excuse me, I, I read that wrong. He's shooting just below thirty five percent from three point range.
0: Okay, okay, I was gonna say. Well, still that DC, makes a though. little bit more sense. He's shooting forty nine percent from the field. No, he's he's a mid range assassin. That's just that's yeah. just Rui's game. Um, but he's yeah, shooting forty I
1: percent mean, from three point range. I mean, people ain't knocking down their door for him, man.
0: Oh, for sure, especially because he's kind of in that tweener body, right? He's six eight, six nine. Uh, you know, pretty thick guy. Um, So it, it's a talented player that a, a lot of teams uh, on the market should be uh, keeping their eye on. But who knows what Washington's expecting back. You know, Washington could be holding a king's ransom and we don't know. Because every team's holding a king's ransom at this point. Like, for example, the Hawks are expecting a huge, huge return for a guy like John Collins. And JC's my guy. Love John Collins. Um, But there, he should not be getting back a return like a donovan mitchell return just not
1: i read that and was just like like who who put that out there i mean that's ridiculous i mean that's probably i mean it was so ridiculous like oh we we want a donovan mitchell like return i'm like this is why i will go back
0: and someone said the same same, some similar similar about uh and Anobi too when they were talking about those
1: two first round picks i'm like this is why everyone should hate the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> for how they screwed up the trade market by making what is going to go down possibly as one of, if not the worst trades of the last 30 years. Oh, I mean, he doesn't. Talking. Hey,
0: you stopped short of saying NBA history. I mean, it Charles Barkley, w- Charles it Barkley be, went ahead and said NBA history.
1: <laughs> it could be. I mean, this is right up there with giving up, James Harden for almost nothing when the Thunderham, because they didn't want to pay him an extra $4 million or the infamous Paul Pierce KG trade to the Nets. Yes. I
0: mean, I mean that one set them back for a while. Or
1: I'll give you one that's maybe set back a team for a little while. Russell Westbrook to the Lakers.
0: Oh God. Well, there's
1: another go. one. So, I mean, there's, there's some, there's been some doozies that haven't yeah. even happened that long ago. But yeah. I mean that the Bear one, because they gave up, the five first round picks by the way it doesn't help help that Kessler is like putting up 2020s now yeah he was like a throw in in the trade he was a throw in in this trade
0: you stole my thought I was just gonna say that he's playing better than Rudy I know it's crazy it's crazy how Danny Ainge does it again Danny Ainge don't make deals
1: with Danny Ainge everybody (laughs) do not Do not do not Incredible. He owns everybody so much. Hey, real quick. We talk about this uh, Rui Hachimura story. Okay. Yeah. There's no team that's linked to him in this article from Shams other than several Western conference teams in need and scoring are looking or interested. Okay. Let's play the guessing game. Oh, geez. Who are those Western conference teams interested in Rui Hachimura?
0: I would say, uh, okay. Uh, um, Sacramento Dallas? makes sense. No, Sacramento, Sacramento makes sense to me.
1: I Dallas do doesn't
0: doesn't necessarily make sense to me because they already have Christian Wood. Christian Wood um, is somebody that kind of plays that position, even though he's he yeah. starts at the five. I don't know if him and Rui would make good mix. You they know? need
1: somebody from the backcourt and that can shoot from deep, not from
0: the front court. Sure, sure. Um, who else makes sense for that? Hmm. I mean, he's a powerful.
1: Pelicans makes sense.
0: Uh no, because I mean, if you have Ingram yeah. and Zion, right. I mean, unless you're you're talking about a depth piece, then yeah, absolutely that makes sense.
1: Memphis the Nuggets makes sense. Memphis?
0: Uh the Warriors are great at developing talent. You know. Mm-hmm. You think about that. I Portland, say, I don't know. I don't know about Portland because they have Jeremy Grant. I would unless say the Kings they Kings and the to, Yeah.
1: Kings and the Warriors probably make the most sense.
0: How about Phoenix?
1: Well, Phoenix of course is another we,
0: we should, we should more bring more. it up while we're talking about Rui Hachimura. We should also bring up that Cameron Johnson is about to make his uh, return uh, very soon for Phoenix. As that also dropped before he started to record this podcast. That's they, big news for them because they've been mired in a very, very long slump. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, Brian Winhurst said on his latest uh, interview or podcast or whatever that uh, Jay Crowder definitely is going to be moved. Uh, so, you know, that's another portion of that deal as well. That makes sense um, if they were to go after, say, a Hachimura or something like that, too.
1: Well, the Suns, remember, they started 15 and six. Mm-hmm. Since then, they've gone six and 18. They've lost nine of their last 10. And I know that. They've been missing Devin Booker. And I feel I bad mean- for
0: Mikel, man. Mikel is an Iron Man. He still has not missed a game. He has still not missed a game. I think he holds the active record right now for consecutive games played. He's going out there and fighting through some injuries, man. And he is, you know, uh, you, you can't say enough about a guy that's going out there playing 40 minutes a night whilst he's dealing with injury. And he's still yet to miss a game this season. And, uh, you know, I got to shout out my guy because that's not easy to do at all. Um, And he has missed a total, a total of nine games in his career. Yeah. Think about that one.
1: Well, look at how beat up the Suns are. I mean, going into the season, we already wondered about the issues on the court, off the court, all that fun stuff. You know, that was going on. Devin Booker's missed 16 games. DeAndre Aiden's missed six games. Chris Paul has missed 19 games. Cam Johnson has missed 37 games. Campaign has missed 17 games. Shamit has missed 15 games. Uh, Dario Sarge even has missed 19 games. So, I mean, they've been the most beat up team in the league by far. And they're in the tailspin to where some people are really wondering, like, is their window closed? Did they miss it, especially because not only are the injuries this year and where they are, but uh, just the way we've seen Chris Paul play.
0: Because if they go and, and get Fred okay. Van Vliet? That would help, maybe. Would that help? I don't know. Uh, you know, we kind of brought it up a little bit earlier, but the Raptors are absolutely listening to people right now.
1: They are. And it sounds like, I mean, everybody has said, like, uh, I know Jake Fisher from Yahoo even said, like, they're going to make a move. It just we'll see how aggressive they're going to be. Is it going to be just a Gary Trent Jr. Or will it be something of a, of a bigger move? Will there will it be a Fred Van Vliet? Could it be, you know, OG? Could it be Pascal? Right now, it doesn't sound like they would go all in. Yeah. But they're open to everything there. Masai Ujiri is not afraid no. to do what he feels is necessary. And he is not going to be somebody that's going to say, we're going to be in the middle of the pack. We're either going to be at the bottom and building back up, or we're going to be near the top. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's he going to do, and how aggressive are they going to be? Because it's funny, because as much as the Raptors have struggled, I could see them being aggressive and being a buyer for somebody in the hopes of because this is they're still in the mix. Us. Well, not because
0: just this still, year, but
1: for yeah. next year. I mean, yeah. no, you, I mean, almost a Pelicans
0: type of type of way. Yeah, right. I mean, how much they to the big? Mm-hmm.
1: Could, could they go out and go uh, and try to get a Jakapernal? Who, they've needed the way, a big be,
0: for like two years, three years.
1: Right. I mean, he's going to be a free agent after the season, but maybe they, they believe they could resign him, mm. you know? So, I mean, there's, there's things like, and they just say we we'll would just make the move now and get him because they're not going to have any you know, big time money in free agency. I don't believe. So let like I said, it's a, it's a win now, win in the future kind of move that they could really look at. And they've got a lot of different pieces, you know, that they could use, but I mean, the Raptors, I mean, they're they're a half game out of the play in tournament, but they're twenty and 25 they You're just kind of pushing along. It seems like when they, they did, did right, just win a game
0: at New York, they let it half yesterday against the Bucks and you know, to the point I was just making it with Van Vliet. Um, as aggressive as we've seen him ever this season, uh back to back games. Uh he scored 39 and had uh nine boards and seven assists across just one turnover against Milwaukee. And then in New York, he had 33 points and eight assists against one turnover at, uh, at Madison Square Garden. So yeah. maybe, he's he's maybe he's starting yeah, to get healthier. Maybe starting to get healthier.
1: He was he was not playing well for most of the season, and they have a big decision to make with him because he is going to be a free agent after this season. He's going to opt and, out. Yeah. He wants more money than what they can give him right now. So, um, you know, that's going to be a big thing. I mean, remember Fred Van Vliet, he's beloved by the fan base there too. Oh, yeah it's just they have to decide like do we need to make a move now because this is going to help with chemistry and we need something different in that spot or do we want to uh continue this you know partnership with him
0: right and i wouldn't even venture to move pascal if i was them as well cuz he's just having again an incredible year so i i wouldn't touch that but i mean if you got to move something you got to move someone to get something back right so right if you're thinking if you're thinking that you can venture over to looking at, at Van Vliet. But, uh, Would one, you trade OG? So, uh, I'm guessing that Toronto doesn't want anyone to lay a finger on that guy. <laughs> uh, just because, I mean, again, it's not easy to find someone that defensively sound, right? Especially on the individual side of things. And you know, he's proven to be a, pl- a plus shooter. The la- Honestly, his entire, you could say his entire career. Like, he's shooting 37% his entire career from deep. Most of those are going to come from the corners, right? So, I don't know, man. I, <sighs> is he untouchable? Probably not, but it's something I, I think I would have a really tough time giving him up too. But again, this is why I'm not a GM. There are contracts to be sorted out with. He has a uh, uh, uh an extension that comes up uh after the 24 season, he's got a player option going into 24-25. I don't know. He's, a, he's on, on the
1: hook for 17.3 this year and 18.6 yeah, next year. That's tough. And then he can he can opt but out. But I mean,
0: that's a really good value though for for oh, the role yeah. he plays. And he's and- going
1: to, you just know that you're going to have to pay that guy even more money once his deal comes up. But I mean, he's a fit everywhere in the league. Everywhere.
0: Everywhere. Yeah.
1: Everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if if they put him on the market, I mean, they're going to get two first round picks. Yeah. They could get a little bit more. I don't even know. But there's,
0: I don't know. Me, there would be be, thanks, thanks, Rudy.
1: There would be teams <laughs> tripping over themselves, I think to get their hands on OG.
0: Oh, I, I mean, mean, as there should be, as there should be. I mean,
1: hey, I, you know, I talked about the Grizzlies. You can't tell me that they would, I mean, as, as but he's a perfect fit for the Cavs. He's, he's,
0: he's a perfect, perfect fit
1: for the Cavs. He's a perfect fit for the Grizzlies. I mean, yeah, say what you will. But I mean, I think the Lakers will be falling on their face to maybe give up those two. Well, maybe they wouldn't be because they would, <laughs> desperately want to keep those picks, but they should be willing to give up both of those picks. I wish you people listening
0: right now could see Brian's face when he was doing that. Cause he was looking to the heavens as if he was like, please make this not happen. Please, please let them let their picks go. Like he's just looking straight to the heavens as he's talking like this. I have it's one. Almost I have like one that more. Scene,
1: it's like that scene in Ferris Bueller's day off when they show cam, you know, in bed and they go uh, <laughs> instead of when Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron go. It's like, when Genie was in NBA land, let those first picks go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just something like I just totally botched it anyway when I did, did that. You see Genie just in, the like, car, just in the car. Let the- those picks go. <laughs> let them go. Just.
0: You see, no. you see Genie in the car and then it starts, it, it, it takes off as it's rolling backwards through the window.
1: That's like you're going to hold on these picks and what happens those years. It's like, all right. So we've got the, uh, we've got the ninth pick in a draft that has three good players on the following year. We've got the, uh, the 10th pick in a draft with five good players.
0: Oh, I'm glad we held on these picks. let's talk solution. Let's talk solution here though, because, Another okay, another name that's popping up in the in the rumor mill, and I didn't intend for this to be a rumor mill podcast, but I mean, we're clearly doing well. We're bouncing off of one another right now. Yeah, Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier has been floated out there, and he's been floated Love out it. there for a couple, you know, a couple months now. And with the report that Charlotte's going to start turning towards a rebuild, I forget who put that out there, but I did read that. That's this morning. Shams did that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Now you're thinking, okay, what pieces and parts from Charlotte makes sense? Um, for these teams. And I, I suggested Terry Rozier to Dallas. Okay. That was one of the things that I suggested in our round table, but Terry, if you need someone that can go out there and not give a crap and, and put up shots, that's your guy. That's your guy. And I mean that in the most respectful of ways, he is not afraid of nothing. He will and he's take played shots. in Big
1: games. Yeah. He's played in big games as well. He's got playoff he's experience clutch player too oh absolutely i mean he's been struggling from the field this year but he's not gonna be afraid to take that shot maybe a change of scenery will he's help him
0: 20 shots a game man like
1: he was banged up earlier on in the year but he's yep. looking better now mm-hmm. i mean and this is a guy you know like you said he's putting up 21 a game um what's he got He's got a little over five and a half assists he's around there yeah I mean, but he's, a scoring, money. he's a
0: scoring guard. Yes, We're
1: not but you've you, you, you got to make a commitment to Terry. I mean, uh, 21 and a half this year, 23, a little over 23 next year, 25 the following year. With the cap spike,
0: it's not that bad.
1: It's not that bad. I mean, in 2025, it's only partially guaranteed. I don't know what the partial guarantee on that is, but it's only, it's only partial. But I mean, this is one of the things where you... I'll go back to talk about the Lakers before the season because everybody's like, Oh, they got preserve that cap space. So I'm like, that's one of the guys. It, it sounds like maybe they would be willing to give up the cap space for if Charlotte was willing to trade him. So, I mean, I think all eyes have kind of been off him when it comes to, you know, the Lakers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally be shocked. I mean, I know that they need, they need better shooting. They need wings. They could use a backup big. I don't think they're opposed to getting another point guard if it means they would move off of Russell Westbrook. And that 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 would have to be the deal. It would have to be a Russ thing. I sure. think for for Rozier, I don't think they want to stack contracts to go out there and get Terry Rozier. Maybe I'm wrong there. And, um, I, and I mean, you you talk about PJ there.
0: Washington too. Like like you know That's, like you, you just think about all the types of talent you can poach from this team now that we know where their trajectory is.
1: Right. Even like if you put Plumlee in that as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, um,
0: shoot, I would go after Richards.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, how about uh, people going after Jalen McDaniels?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. See, see now all of the possibilities are stacking up. As soon as a team hears that, okay, they're going this way. We have found our first seller. They're going to pack like a, a a pack of wild dogs. They're going to just pounce.
1: You say that though, this is one report and I'll believe it when I see it from Charlotte because who's their owner and making the decisions. It's Michael Jordan. He doesn't want to tank. He doesn't like to tank. Here's the thing though. It doesn't matter if he wants to, if he likes to <laughs> do anything, they're tanking because they've only won what? 11 games a season. How does Mitch
0: Kupchak uh, handle? Oh, rebuilds.
1: Well, hopefully you, you don't want to.
0: You, I shouldn't have asked you that.
1: Lou <laughs> Aldang on a four-year, $72 million Oh, no. Contract. Here
0: we go. Timo Faye Mozgov, $64 million. No.
1: The look no, on Brian no. Windhorst's face at 12.01 that night when he said the first deal has been done, and that was the signing for the Lakers. Oh. And he looked at it and was like, what? What? Do the Lakers not understand free agency? What's going on here?
0: So Hornets um, country should be wetting themselves right now?
1: I, you know, I don't know if they're really going to go all in. I mean, I, we keep saying they're going to make a move. Yeah, they should make a move. It's just what what is that move going to be? And by the way, Gordon Hayward, I don't think they're going to get off that. that that's something LA has said no. I think every other team in the league is probably saying no as well. I mean, he's got one more year left at $31 million And, you know, he's missed so many games to begin the season. He's banged up again. He's always got these knick-knack injuries that are keeping him out of the lineup. He can't stay healthy. So that's that's going to be a rough one for anybody to take on, um, but they've got other pieces that if they are willing to take on a salary uh, in the short term and take picks, they could make moves. It's just uh, then they're they're admitting they're doing a rebuild, and Michael Jordan has never wanted to admit that.
0: You know what? Though it'd be such a fresh, it'd be a breath of fresh air. I know that Lamelo probably wouldn't want to do this. He's still really young, but I mean, obviously he's you know, get into that, that all-star, you know, tier of player. So
1: I would disagree. But, but the, I think what Melo would want to do this at the same time, have seen what's going on and like, yeah. we need to do something different.
0: I would, I would be thrilled if I saw JT Thor getting playing time, right? I would be thrilled to see Kai Jones finally getting playing time. Mark Williams, who's been playing some solid ball for them at center, right? You know, like Bryce McGowans, give him some minutes, see what he's made of, you know, like, that's that's when teams start to really discover their talent, right? Like, yeah. is when they give the young guys a chance. And I, I'm interested because, I mean, Steve Clifford, he's usually that guy that coaches a team better than you think that they're going to be, right? And didn't happen. Didn't happen this year with Charlotte. But. No. <laughs> probably solid at developing them, right? Like.
1: Well, we'll Jalen see. McDaniels is a young guy they should want to keep. The problem is, he is an unrestricted free agent after the season. They're going to lose him. Yeah, they're, they're going to lose him. And he's playing well. And his trajectory is going up, like mm-hmm. way up. So, I mean, he's somebody that's probably going to get moved. We'll see what kind of value he has around the league. Like, can he catch, can he fetch multiple second-round picks? Will somebody give up a first, your protected first? Or is that is he just part of a bigger deal that includes other players from the Hornets? You know, P.J. Washington's the other one. He's going to be a restricted free agent. But he's going to get paid, you know. He struggled shooting the ball this year, but you know he's in for a good size raise. And like, do the Hornets want to commit to that or or what? It's
0: a good question. It's a good question. I think we ran through about all the rumors, right?
1: Yeah, probably. You said um, yeah,
0: probably. Um, major injuries that happened since the last time that we, we uh, potted um, Jalen Brown went down. I guess not a major injury, but yeah, he hurt his groin. Uh, Donovan Mitchell also out with a groin. Um, so that sucks. Uh, we got, like we said, had a couple of returns on the, the horizon. Cam Johnson coming back. So that's good. Um, oh, Tyrese Halliburton. That's the one I wanted to hit too. Um, sucks man because he had been playing such a good brand of basketball. He was definitely on his way to being an all-star, especially with the way, uh, the Pacers are positioned in the standings, but, uh, he bruised his knee and sprained his elbow. Um, and he'll be reevaluated uh, pretty much there uh, at the end of the month. So we'll see, you know, where that goes.
1: They've been but, missing uh, Miles Turner with back injury as well. So, I mean, they, yeah. that's why they're backed only a game over 500 right now. They were looking, they might still be really aggressive before the trade deadline, but they, they've dropped four in a row and, you know, they're back into the eighth spot now. And, you know, not having Halliburton for, you know, probably at least another couple of weeks is really hurting them.
0: Yeah, no question. No question. Um, so those are pretty much big injuries. Uh, I wanted to hit on two uh, bottom of the, the totem pole um, Western Conference teams. And one, not actually, not two, part of the bottom of the totem pole, but um, having fun watching the Thunder right now. Uh, they are two games under 500. Look out. They are playing with a poise and a belief in one another. Uh, Josh Giddy has turned it up. So we were talking about Shea carrying the team. Um for pretty much the majority of the first third of the season, Josh Giddy his stock is going up. Um really really uh being aggressive now uh in taking shots. He's always involving his teammates um and as of late he's been able to keep the turnovers down. Really I love watching this this young Aussie play, man. He is just a a rocket full of energy and uh he plays the game the right way. He's, you know, really looking like him and and Shay are going to be the ones who, you know, take this thing forward. And uh, you know, give, them giving them the keys, I think, is huge. But then, you know, you have your surrounding talent. You know, Lou Dort's having a solid season. Jalen Williams we barely talk about. You know, Jalen Williams leads the league in dunks. like I, That I, I guy feel has sick. been
1: coming on, man.
0: I feel sick that I don't talk about this kid. Because I don't watch enough of him. But the, the the things that I read around the league, like like he is just he has made such a solid impact um, in such a short amount of time, dude. He's playing twenty eight minutes a game, and usually like that's you know top five pick type of minutes, right? But this dude was taken in the lottery, late lottery, twelfth overall pick, and you know he's having a good season. He had a you know he had a not that great of a, an offensive performance against the the Nets, but they won by ten in that game but I, I, I need to watch more Jalen Williams. Admittedly, I need to watch more Jalen Williams. They also start uh, another Jalen Williams. Didn't know if anyone knew that. Um, and then Isaiah Joe shooting the lights out, shooting the lights out. And uh, it's just, they, uh, they have such a good energy about them. And they, dude, they don't even have a chat. Uh, Poku has been out for a, a significant amount of time. Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been out for a significant, amount of time. And they are winning a legit amount of games. And what's most impressive is they were just on this really long road trip where they were taking care of business. And I saw this team in December when they came to the, to, to Cleveland, and they weren't nearly at that level. I'll tell you that right now. They were not at that level. But since the turn of, new York, turn of the new year, man, they've they've won five out of their last six. They just went three and one on a very Impressive road trip, man. They beat they beat the Sixers, the Bulls, and the Nets, and uh, barely lost to the Heat uh, at the end of that game, where where uh, Jimmy Butler got the and one, and they probably should have won that game. So, I'm just loving what I'm seeing from OKC, man. I, I am really loving what I'm seeing from them, and uh, it's been a testament to to them keeping the team together, and uh, they're playing a good brand of basketball right now. That's that's all you can say. And I, I love the way that, that young teams come out like this. And uh, they're not going to be at the bottom. I really don't believe they're going to be at the bottom. There's a lot of people that think post-All-Star break, they're going to start shutting these guys down. I don't think that's the case anymore. Because whatever their freaking pick do they need, what other more youth do they need? Well, here they already you get have to a point, of too. Like, I mean,
1: how many times have you heard that Shay does not want to go through this again when it comes to, like, a, you know, tanking? I mean, it gets to a point where... Even though you know you're not a contender yet, you want those guys to get reps when it comes to the postseason. Mm -hmm. You know they're in the tenth spot right now, but the West is so tight; they're only a game back of the sixth seed. There you go. I mean, that's it. So, I mean, we sit here and you know they've got you know what a thousand picks over the next five years, whatever it is, and they already have.
0: They have a number two overall pick waiting in the wings next year too. Like, you don't need anymore. You're good.
1: They can't even (laughs) use all of these picks that they have.
0: So They can use them in deals. That's where it's going to get fun. that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: but that's one way to use them, though. But, I mean, they've got, you know, Chet's obviously out for the season. You know, they've got that kind of in the bank. You know, and see how good he's going to play once, you know, he returns next season. But as well as they're playing right now and the way the West is, this is a team that I do wonder if they say, maybe our move, shouldn't be in the off season. Maybe it should be now because we can't use all of these picks on it for ourselves from, from we can't draft all of these guys sooner or later, we're going to have to move off some of these picks. Maybe now would be the time to set ourselves up for the future. We can get into the postseason this year, get some experience and set ourselves up for in the future, especially if a team is willing to sell right now because they have, as many assets, if not more than anybody else in the league, yes, they do. So why not be aggressive now? Why not uh, zag when everybody else is zigging? No, that's you know, a good question, kinda, you just do it right now. I mean, your team's on the upswing. You've got, you know, Shea is a proven leader, a clutch guy, probably the most improved player this year, I would think. If not, he's he's definitely in discussion. And mm-hmm. you mentioned it's him or right
0: now, yeah,
1: yeah. And like Josh Giddy is. God, if you can't have fun playing with Josh Giddy, man, you, you just don't like basketball. They, they've got so many good things, you know, going in the right direction for them. Now is a time where if there's something good that can present itself, I think you want to go out there and do it.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Then,
1: I mean, wanted to- who, who worries about tanking? I mean.
0: They're, no, they're, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm you're, saying. You're, like you're like not to have a chance. Me
1: God, yeah. I mean, there's, there's five teams below you in the West. You have no, you, you come too east, far you've come too far now. You've come too far now. They're and, six. I yeah. mean, what, what? so what do they have? Like, uh, what is that? The, they have the 19th record out of 30 in the league. You, you're too damn good. Yeah. You, I mean, you would have to bench everybody. Shea would have to have like a a, a strained calf for the next two months. Well, that's why I'm knocking in. on
0: wood for them because they haven't been able to stay healthy throughout the course of an entire season, right? But we're halfway yes. through. We're approaching almost that time to where we get to the all-star break and that's usually when they start turning down, right? But I think I honestly think that they're going to stay healthy and they're going to be good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I would uh, hope so. I mean, because if, they're running that And if you, you range. use those picks, if you use those picks, uh, go out and get a get a get a big. That that that'd be my my advice. Just go out and hey, get a, a veteran big. But
1: that yeah. that's a team that right now, man. I mean,
0: and a shooter. But is, other is than you, other than Isaiah Joe, <laughs> could
1: could you get a Yakup Purdle there?
0: No, is there another? you, got, big, you, you
1: get a point. Miles Turner there? I mean, it just depends if either of them wants to resign. Yeah. Obviously, that's a big if. Vooch. But, uh, Vooch, you know, Vooch would be another. Vooch, that, would be I a, was thinking a, of that one. That's actually a sneaky good one. To I think was about thinking because, of that one. I mean, we don't Obviously know what the Bulls going to do. Rim
0: protector, but
1: right, but I mean, he fits in what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, offensive center that can pass the ball yeah. and can hit from the outside as well. Yep. He would be a a very interesting piece.
0: Yes. See, look at that. Look what brainstorming does. I want to touch on uh, two more things. So, one, uh, John Wall went on Theo Pinson's podcast, I believe it was, and spilled a lot of tea. Let's just keep it at that. Spilled a lot of tea, um, talked about his time with Houston. Thought it was particularly interesting that he – blatantly said that he told Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. That you wouldn't be getting away with this on any other team and getting away with what they're doing in his eyes is pretty much getting their stats and not playing team ball is what I would, I would assume he's talking about, right? Right. So I agree with him in one right, because when I watch the Rockets play, it's just, it's just awful. It's 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 terrible. Other, 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 I'm going to preface this, Then um Alperin Shangun, who, by the way, before that ridiculous performance in Los Angeles, um, I had actually been watching a lot of Rockets games because uh just flat out saying it, uh stuff became legal here. <laughs> so I've been a little tuned in extra to some of these games. Your La- your Lakers also broke my heart in one of those, and we'll get to that when we close the podcast. but but no, I've been watching a l- um,
1: by the way, just so anybody knows this is not of a um recreational drug type of things that become illegal here this is something
0: else <laughs> so so I I actually have been watching sangoonon and I love watching Shagooon play man. he's like Nikola Batum said it the best man like and and I hate player comps. But when you watch him play, he is baby Jokic. He is in the middle of the floor. He's handing off. He's finding he Kirkland. Jokic. He's,
1: Kirkland he Jokic.
0: Is, did you see him running the floor the other day? A little behind yeah, the absolutely. back pass. You know, oh. like he has fun playing the game. Uh, yeah. I wish that, you know, the coaching staff would let him shoot a little more from deep because he's got the opportunity to. Teams aren't really paying attention to him out there. But he's able to get inside, use his hook shots. He's, he can block shots. Smart, heady player. If they don't have a true point guard, I say just F it. Go through that guy. Let him run the offense. Do what Denver does. That's what I'm seeing there. And, you know, at least they have a team player in Jay Sean Tate who just came back. And, you know, he's doing good since he's come back. But they have all these minutes to allocate to KJ Martin. They're trying to showcase Josh Christopher. You've got, you know, so many different young players out there, Usman Garuba getting the backup five minutes the other night, you know, like you've got so much going on, but I I don't see too much team ball when Al Perrin's not out there. That's that's what I'm noticing.
1: When Eric Gordon was asked the other night, like um, what do you see when it comes to progression with this team? He goes, I don't see any progression.
0: Well, that's just flat out telling, you know, telling the, the facts and, Although I don't like the way John Wall went about it. I think he could have kept that in private or not mentioned names or when he was asked about names, not said anything. Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, the, that he, he was telling straight up, you know, like you can't get away with that type of stuff. You have to, you, you have to immerse yourself into sacrificing for the better of the team, not taking as many shots per game. Now, I will say Kevin Porter Jr. this season uh has not do do done what John Wall's been talking about. Kevin Porter Jr. has been thrust in a point guard role to where he is actually doing some damn good stuff. He has some turnover issues, but he's been he's been moving the ball and stuff like that. Jalen Green, when I see Jalen Green, for the most part, he has gotten better at, at dropping the pocket off a little bit, but he's driving into like three guys and trying to get these shots off. That's just not it's not good for his development. Right. And he's, he's able to shoot the lights out. We saw that in the Laker game. He pretty much single handedly bought, brought them back uh, with that scoring binge at the end of the third quarter. Right. But the types of shots that, that you take is so, so paramount to how your development goes. And I'm, well, I, I think, just don't like the shots that he takes.
1: I think what's going to be curious is we sit there and we talk about the selfish play of, some of their younger guys and then all of these rumors that are out there that I think are very credible from the sources that they're coming from in that James Harden could return to the Rockets next <laughs> year and I'm like
0: how is that gonna work this is yeah this is oh boy that that just has mess written all over it but like oh why would James yeah. why would James even be talking about that right now he's in the middle of a championship chase they're playing a really good brand of basketball right now in Philly Joel Embiid's healthy he's Harden, I think, is playing the most refreshing basketball that he's played in like three years. Like, I
1: think that James is trying to downplay it, but obviously he told somebody or leaked it somewhere and it got like, hey, out there and uh, Tim Bontemps and Tim McMahon from ESPN got their hands on it. Yeah. Um, huh. Especially McMahon. And he's... Woj well, broke hey.
0: Christmas or whatever. Yeah.
1: Right. And they're like, hey, he's open to coming back here. I mean, because he likes Houston a lot. And... Of all things, he wants to play with Eric Gordon.
0: Doesn't Eric, hasn't Eric Gordon wanted out for like three years too, though? Yes. Then how does that work? Like, what if Eric? I gets, don't know. But, but here, maybe that's why the Rockets are holding on to him for dear life because that's, they want a first round pick for him. Maybe that's the reason, right? Maybe that's, that's one it.
1: Of the theories? Hey, hey, you know what, though? They could trade him and they could re-sign him in the offseason because they're going to have some Eric's so still playing based.
0: good, by the way. He's being a good soldier.
1: He is, well, he's trying to be. He, yeah. He's frustrated, but he's trying to do. Uh, the right thing.
0: Right. I mean, probably don't go out and say there hasn't been any progression. Yeah. But again, asked the question hey, and he was an honest love. answer. Tough love, though. Right. Because John yeah, Wall did the absolutely. same thing. John Wall did the same thing. I, again, I don't really agree with the methods of which uh, John Wall said what he said. Uh, and I feel bad for Justin Patton, who was just living his life. And John Wall said <laughs> that we were starting dudes like Justin Patton. Like oh. just calling him out, catching strays for no reason, I feel that was bad a Justin, by man <laughs> we've we've talked with Justin Patton on our basketball new spaces before. he's a good guy, I feel bad, but uh, yeah, not fan of the methods that he did it, but just because John spoke of that, and I've been watching Rockets basketball the last like week, week and a half from my observations, I'm not saying this has been the whole season. They just need to move the ball more and uh take better shots I think that's obvious and when shangun's out there and guys are cutting and they're getting in transition because they're the most athletic team and by the way they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nba you can take advantage of that stuff so wanted to bring that up and then the last thing i wanted to to talk about is because i had a, a really solid week um of of covering basketball being in basketball environments like i went out to um to Akron to watch my Zips take on Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, ended up uh, meeting, you know, coach gross. Uh, some of the guys in the locker room that know some people I know. Um, obviously, Imani Bates there over with Eastern Michigan didn't have the greatest game against the Zips, but bounced back really nicely against Kent on Tuesday. Um, still keep him on your radar, folks. He is a hell of a talent uh, and, and still growing into his body too. Um, but you know, did that, and then, you know, you look at Monday at MLK Day. Now, get this, Brian. I thought this was the craziest bit of coincidence. So, I, I didn't even have a story for, for MLK Day. It was 3 o'clock p.m. game. It was weird. You know, the Cavs had just been getting back from a five-game road trip, three different time zones. Really tough scheduling by the NBA on that one, by the way. <laughs> um, and And not to mention the Pelicans had just come off like a 10-day trip themselves or was finishing one, Uh, but the Pelicans locker room, so chummy, so chummy, man, and it was cool because I realized how many people I have interacted with, but this was uh, pre-pandemic era, so just a little backstory. You should know that I know Larry Nance Jr. I saw Larry Nance Jr. all the time because he played for the Cavs. He was all around here, and obviously his dad's a legend around these parts. So I saw him, da- you know, daft him up, said, what's up? But uh, seeing C.J. McCollum, the last time I saw C.J. McCollum in person was like three or four years ago. And I go-, go up to him and I'm like, <laughs> hey, a lot's changed for you in four years, huh? It's like, you're the president of the Players Association? You're married? You have a kid? <laughs> and here I am, I'm doing the same stupid stuff. <laughs> But uh, it was cool. You know, Talked to CJ a little bit. We talked uh, our usual Cleveland sports banter. Um, And then, you know, just being in the corner too. uh, Meeting Dyson Daniels, who I was able to uh, do a one-on-one interview with um, when he was going to the Ignite over Zoom. Met him in person. I mean, it's just these kinds of things. I love having, you know, this opportunity to do this stuff. Um, Jackson Hayes was in there. has a friend of a friend of mine. Uh, we figured that out because you know we know that he goes to the same high school as my friend went to so that was awesome and then you know as I'm chumming it up with all these guys um you know Trey Murphy the third hears this um, I go up to Trey and introduce myself he's like oh yeah no I remember because I did a draft profile on Trey um, a little while back so just the the coincidence of knowing this entire locker room that I've interacted with before both pre-pandemic and during pandemic, uh, I thought was pretty special. And then to top it off, you know, one of my really good friends from the Combine, who's an assistant coach for the Pelicans, Ryan Panone, seeing him there after all the hard, you know, work and grind that he's been through, just seeing him there in that environment um, and us both uh, being at that position, which just was really special to me. So, you know, I tweeted it out. I was just like, it's just crazy how small the world of basketball is because if, hell, the way I like to put it is it, it if you know somebody, then they know somebody. But if you don't know somebody, they're going to know somebody that knows you. Like it's, it's, uh, I don't know if that makes sense uh, at all, but it, it's crazy just how small the the basketball world is when you're in it for a little while. And uh, it kind of makes you really appreciative and it kind of gives you a little bit of, um, of a smile on your face knowing that, you know, you had played a part in this person's career or this person's come up or whatever, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's funny because like years ago when I used to be around the Orlando magic a lot, I mean, one of the guys that was very, um, trusting of me, maybe it's because I was so young at the time. Um, you know, being in my, what was that? My early to mid twenties, like Penny Hardaway, um, was great with me. Mm -hmm. I pestered him a lot. I probably (laughs) pissed him off plenty of times, but, uh, Penny, Penny was always great with me. Um, I remember, how about this one? The year where Shaq left Orlando via free agency, at that same time, the Dream Team was practicing at Disney World.
0: So that's why you're a Lakers fan.
1: <laughs> and uh, I was a Lakers fan before that. But <laughs> uh, um, everybody was trying to talk to Penny. And, you know, every, different people tried to go up to Penny at different times and then get a couple words with them. And maybe just kind of was like, hey, look at this kid need something or whatever. Nobody else could get anything for Penny. And he was like, come with me. And we kind of went in our own little space for five minutes. And he let me, you know, talk to him about it because it was before Shaq had left, but everybody kind of figured he was gone. And, um, I believe that's the timeline of that. And, um, maybe it was right after Shaq had already said he was going to LA, but, um, I mean, he did that for me and, and, you know, some other guys really went out of the way. I remember Pat Garrity was great, you know, that he would remember me. And I, you know, be around Pat a little bit and really smart guy, you know. Um,
0: Wet jumper but, from deep. Remember Pat? Oh my
1: God. Stretch four. Oh yeah. Even guys like Jeff Turner, who's now on part of their television broadcast team. You know, Jeff was really good to be when I was younger. It's funny. There's like little things that you remember that maybe doesn't mean something to the other person at the time, but um, but you remember them for a long time. They go a long way and what they did for you and what that meant for you.
0: Yeah, it it is. It's a good feeling, man. And, like, again, especially for someone of, you know, CJ's caliber, who's president of the Basketball Association, and, yeah. you know, seeing Dyson Daniels. I mean, I know it's still, he's a rookie for goodness sake, but he's starting in NBA games, and Trey Murphy's making big plays in the playoffs. He remembers this stuff. Like, that, that kind of stuff just tickles my fancy man it's just great because oh, yeah, again that's well, why that's why i do what i do you know like
1: right because you're a basketball fan and you like having you know seeing these guys have success and play well and and, and do good things
0: yep 100 man 100%. that
1: that's the bottom line it's not just about like it, it's not like you're trying to like name drop or anything like that it's like you like seeing people have success and do mm-hmm. really good things and that's that's an admirable quality because there's a lot of people that all they want to do is name drop or all they want to do is uh you know get get their own name out there for whatever reasons so. and
0: that's honestly honestly that is what i hate the most about the industry is that we should never be become become bigger than the story we're covering that that i will leave it at that i think that's a good way to close the pod i think that is a perfect bookend for us here. So, I'm not going to go any further in that before I get myself in trouble. But, Mr. Brian Fritz, I appreciate you joining uh, here in the uh, Keep It at 94 podcast. Don't forget, guys, subscribe, rate, review. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. So, please, again, subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment, interact with us on Twitter. I am at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Going to do a quick plug to you real quick. Other than listening to the Dunker Spot and the Alex Kennedy podcast, you have my articles here this week. I had a opportunity to chat with Joe Kim Noah over in Paris as they get ready for the the Paris games there on Thursday. Um, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be the Bulls and the Pistons. Really special moment coming up there for Killian Hayes to play in front of his friends and family. Uh, I'm I'm ecstatic for him. Me and Joe Kim talked about that. We talked about retirement. We talked about his involvement in the Basketball Africa League, told me he found his purpose in life. So that was really nice um, to hear about that and the growth of basketball in general. So please check that out. That's a Q&A on there. And yes, I did tell him I was from Cleveland at the end of the interview and he chuckled. So uh, that was pretty awesome knowing after these years that Joe Kim Noah still has a, a great soft spot for Cleveland, his favorite vacation spot. So make sure you check that out on basketballnews.com. I'll also have a feature on Xavier Tillman coming up this week, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, Talked about him and his uh, approach to the season in year three and the way that he's done um, his different routines while uh, staying ready for this Grizzlies team, who again is just firing off on all cylinders. Uh, can't wait for them to face the Cavs on Wednesday night uh, as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon. So uh, until our next episode, we'll be probably talking more as the trade rumor mill hit- heats up and uh, we'll see if these teams keep separating themselves. So till that point, everybody have a good one and see you later.